the end zone, and it is caught. Adolf here. Chubb. Down inside. The silent count. He bails out of the pocket there. And oh, Josh Hallers. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. He's Skyler, I'm Wyatt, and today we are joined by the newest member of the JWB family, Jacob, who you can find on Twitter at Fantasy Fantasy. Jacob, how are you doing? Living the dream. Yeah, it's great to uh, be on the pod with you guys. You you were on a guest pod I was on last last summer, so it's great to be on uh, one of yours. Thanks yeah, it's great to have you on. Jacob's going to be doing some dynasty content for us on the website this off season. We're really excited about it. Now we brought Jacob on so he can give us his little lesson learned for dynasty from this past season, like we've been doing with our guests recently. But as always, before we get to that, we like to do a little, would you rather for our guests, Jacob, are you ready? I don't know that I am, <laughs> but I will try to be. Let's go. <laughs> okay. In an NFL game, you either have to try and tackle running back in the hole or be the running back taking the carry into the hole. Which one are you doing? I'm going to go for the tackle. I, I, I think I'm, I'm uh, defensively minded. I wrestled in, uh, in, in high school and college. Right. So I think I could you know, go for an ankle at some yeah. point uh, as yeah. opposed to receive what someone else had to give me. <laughs> <laughs> I that like would the be, uh, yeah i think i'd have to go uh give it a give it a shot if it's derrick henry then you know it was nice uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just been a solid and hope for the best <laughs> 38 years you know it was good whatever <laughs> oh yeah. yeah i it makes me think Skyler, of real quick if you had to oh yeah I, I got a good answer it makes me think of when a uh, mcafee one time had a uh they had a design play for a fake a fake special teams play where he didn't run the ball and he saw Ray Lewis step forward and he was like, Nope, call it off. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing it. So I would yeah. also go for the tackle and then I would just miss the tackle. And that way I don't, I'm good. Yeah. My body's protected. I think that's the, the logic. Yeah. I think, here. I, I think that's it. the right answer. <laughs> I think going for the tackle is the right answer. Dive for an ankle. You're going to get blown up in the hole. If you're Probably really running not. back. <laughs> absolutely oh yeah i'm not take. i'm not surviving the hit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i don't think any of us are <laughs> all right jacob lesson learned what do you got so it's a little bit not counterintuitive but um you know not something you hear every day or maybe you do i don't know buy high sell low is is the one thing i'm not kicking myself but just thinking um if I could do it over again this this past fantasy season, I would have tried to do a little bit more aggressive trading. You know, what what winds up happening when you try to buy low, sell high, is that's the game everyone's playing, right? Everybody's after, you know, discrete value gains by, you know, increasing their team's value by trades. Um, then you can do that when you buy low on like a Calvin Ridley and you see their stock increase when word comes out that they're interested in playing football again, you, you cash in on that, you know, uh, value increase. On the other hand, I feel like what you miss out on by doing that is Calvin Ridley didn't play any of last season. So if you had assets on your team that you invested in Calvin Ridley, you were not investing in a championship you were investing in future future growth future um value for your team but in the meantime it was doing nothing for your team in reality and i mean 
I think he's going to come back and play and be great. And I think he's a tremendous route runner. Uh, was great to eval. It was a first round pick, you know, it was, uh, a lot in his corner. And as, especially for me, if I'm getting paid millions to do something, I don't know, you know, these NFL football players, they probably don't have a ton of opportunities. Somebody was saying Marquise Brown maybe could be a video game player for millions <laughs> of dollars. I don't know. But like, if I had an opportunity to do that, I'm going to take it, right? So I think he gets himself squared away, finds himself into a, a good situation coming next year. Um, that said, buy high, sell low. I have a few points, so that that's just the concept. I have a few points I wanted to make on it, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense um, when you think about it, especially when you put it in the terms of, you know, we're trying to win championships at the end of the day. Sometimes you kind of have to pay the premium for that player to get you over the top, or even you pay a premium for a player, but it's a player you think can, that can continue to rise in value and you're just catching them on the ascent and, you know, selling low on players that maybe you've realized that it's going to continue to drop. The floor is still going down and you just want to get something while you still can. So I, 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 I get it. I get the concept. Yeah, so the, the oh, go ahead, Scott. Sorry. No, I was saying, and a lot of guys like Calvin Ridley, um, the managers kind of know what you're trying to do when you go to them. It's the same thing with like Deshaun Watson <laughs> early off season. Every Deshaun Watson manager who you know who was trying to recoup some value, they all got all these matches, all these low balls. Same thing with Calvin Ridley. They know what you're trying to do, and it's it's you know even the one time you get you might pull something off like that, it does kind of harm those relationships you have with those manners in the future because if somebody's coming to me and i have calvin ridley and they are trying to throw me you know mid seconds like i kind of remember that i'm like these this is what you're these are the kind of things you're trying to pull off you know definitely yeah i'm I'm, like that's almost like reason number two is not maintaining relationships you know screw those guys they're my my mortal enemies if they're (laughs) (laughs) but definitely getting the job done you you're not going to get the job done and then it sours future trades etc um but it's the game everyone's playing there's no such thing as buy low right everybody javante williams is a case study in this right nobody's nobody's um selling javante williams the player who's in a timeshare everyone is selling javante williams who is the feature back and there's right. no getting around that and he's a young feature back you have to if you want javante williams you have to buy high now this is the the buy high window and if you're if you're selling this would be a sell high and i would say don't do that you know he hasn't capped out but um it's right there there's no acquiring those those people who are on that you know you have to pay full price essentially uh, you can't sneak around these Tyreek Hill situation a few years back comes to mind. I had an opportunity to buy him, I think for a first round pick, I was like, no way, you know, like, no, I don't know what's going on with this situation, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. He comes back has, you know, two or three wide receiver one seasons in a row. It's um same situation with Calvin Ridley. I think we're, a lot of people are going to be feel bad. They didn't make the push, but. So Dalvin Cook last year, I'm trying to say don't get greedy, right? I was trying to sell Dalvin Cook last year, and somebody offered me Javante Williams a first in two seconds. Wow. And this was the very beginning of the year, and I'm evaluating my team, and I'm like, Javante Williams, you know, he's very much unproved. Like, he hadn't even gotten that many snaps at this point. It's like week one. Um, I can make a push with Dalvin. Am I ready to let go? But that was a really strong offer. 
Um, but I heard whispers of other people being interested in Dalvin Cook. And I was like, maybe I could get more, blah, blah. And I got greedy and I didn't sell Dalvin Cook, but I knew I was in kind of this. I'm in I, my team name coming into this season was Jeff Fisher Fantasy Football. Because <laughs> I was, you know, it's it's a dynasty league. My, my oldest one, I've been in the middle of the pack for five years. And I just can't stand to be here anymore. But it's these stupid decisions that keep me here. Is I rejected that trade. Sure enough, two weeks later, it's not even remotely on the table. He's like, maybe I'll do Javante for Dalvin straight up. And it's like, uh, get out of town. <laughs> like, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. It's tough. I mean, with yeah. those with those types of backs, I mean, that's kind of the trade you always have to be open to taking. Like, even if you're a win-now team, I mean, anytime you can get, you know, a back who's who's young, uh, you know, has a lot of green check marks next to his name, plus a first and a second, you almost just kind of have to take it. You know, maybe not for the most premium guy when they're young, like a Jonathan Taylor, but right now you're sitting on, you're coming into these backs 25, 26, 27. You get an off right down the table, it's almost like you have to. I mean, you it, going forward, I mean, yeah, it's the kind of move you just have to make. And you, if, if it comes to the point where in your season you really – could have used an elite back to put you over the edge. I mean, you still have a first and a second to go to the teams later on in the season who aren't as good as they thought they were going to be, who might be have have a Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb hanging out in the roster, and you offer them that first you got, and they might be pretty unhappy. So there's still room to recoup back or jump back into the game for one of these aging backs later in the season if you do find yourself a back away from competing. But at the same time, you were able to capitalize early and get appropriate value for one of these backs before the market crashed. And I'm sure you're not alone. Yeah. There's probably a lot of people who had Aaron Jones or Dalvin Cook or maybe even Alvin Kamara to a lesser degree, in my opinion, who are now sitting here holding the bag and they're like, darn, like those offers were on the table last around this time last year. And I maybe I should have thought a little harder on it. Mm. I think that's always going to be one of the tougher situations to evaluate on your get on a given team when you look like you're a team that can compete but you're relying on those age apex running backs because what do you do do you especially when you have an offer like that because yep. it looks like well this is a big part of my push but appropriate value for a running back who's hitting that age apex you like Skyler said you almost you kind of have that. to just yeah. you're forced into it a little bit yeah and to go Definitely. on to like a guy like Javante Williams now where his price is at now. And you're like, you have to buy high now. If you're trying to get in on the Javante Williams game, if you are going to buy in high on a player, I'd rather it be a back like Javante, where if at this point in the season, he did have an injury or, you know, something like Melvin Gordon came back for a year, his value doesn't tank. Like he's going to hold the value through. I mean, even a guy like Cam Akers held similar value through one of the most catastrophic injuries, just given his player profile and his age and his situation. Mm -hmm. If that stuff all kind of stays similar, um, you know, you, you're not losing much value. So if you are going to buy high, Javante Williams is that kind of guy where I don't really have a problem with it. Like your Jonathan Taylor, it's like if they get hurt, there's an injury. They don't totally tank. But if you're at this point in the offseason, you're going to buy high on your Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon at this point, and they – we got like six to eight months till football and any little injury happens on that. And you're, you're losing half of what you spent. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just my two cents on if you are going to buy high on one of those, but mm -hmm. it's like who specifically to target, especially this time of the year. Yeah. I had one more trade or two other trade examples or asset management examples or whatever. Um, Julio Jones 
and uh, Antonio Brown. And both of them, my plan this offseason, and this is the same team. So <laughs> I have quite the, uh, the although I had so much ownership of Antonio Brown, it's not even funny. Um, he was my most owned player. Um, but Antonio Brown, this offseason in this league, I was saying, okay, I want to be young and fresh. As soon as the season starts, they have those peak games. I'm going to sell and I'm going to recoup value. And obviously the, the story with uh, Julio Jones was he never had the peak game. Right. And I was thinking about, I was getting offers for him in the off season, like a third round pick or like a, a future second, things like this. And I'm like, no, he's going to be getting me way more for a team that wants to win once they see what he can do on the field. Um, same thing with Antonio Brown, except for Antonio Brown, it came to fruition pre-injury. And then I was in this, you know, I should sell right now moment. Um, and I didn't because I was like, I'm going to win the championship. I didn't sell him. I didn't sell <laughs> Dalvin. <laughs> um, but the situation was I was, you know, very much um, in position in the offseason to sell low, which is what I should have done because those are just theoretical lows. If I had those, let's say third or thirds for each of them, let's just say, those are people on my team that could be contributing. You know, I play in IDP leagues. Those would be strong defensive players that would be in my lineups. Or there'll be future assets, people that will turn into a Mooney or a Gabe Davis. So I missed the sell low window because I thought there was this other, you know, inflection point coming. Sure. I mean, there's there's a lot of players like that. Like Antonio Brown is a perfect example. Maybe a guy like Devonta Freeman where it's like you've got to think of the range of outcomes where – yeah, you'd like them in your lineup if they are performing, but in terms of value and recouping value, like what is what is the most you're going to get for them in the best case scenario, right? I mean, if a second or third was on the table for Devonta, uh, Devonta Freeman, um, you know, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, maybe that should have been a strong consideration. I got caught holding a couple Antonio Browns, like thinking like, nah, you Same. see, he's top 10 in points per game. This, I need this in my flex. It's fantastic. Same with Devonta Freeman. A couple years ago, I was like, he went from worth nothing. I got him for free. A couple spots. He jumps in and gets a spot. I'm like, now he, somebody might give me a second for him. It, it never happened. I still have him on a roster. A couple other rosters, I ended up shipping him out for third when the whole Baltimore thing came about. But like, it's just, it is, it is a good example of, um, you know, selling quote low, like I'm only getting a third. It's like, but think of your range of outcomes. He's never going to be worth a first and he could be worth literally right. zero, you know, and those small gains add Legit. up. It's kind of a process thing. If Antonio Brown comes out and ends up being that guy was worth flexing and you're like, wow, maybe I could have gotten an earlier or mid second form instead I sold for a late second, early third. You know what? You take those losses when they come because, you know, the process will win out over time. You know, I, I put on the timeline, I forgot a guy like Tyson Williams even existed. And like at some point there were people that were thinking like he could be a top 24 back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he ended up going to zero. Example of hit, hit him and flip him, right? Those are the, yeah. those are the names in, in season depth chart risers. If you get him, flip him, get him, flip him. Um, even Khalil Herbert, you know, I like Khalil Herbert. I think he has great upside. I liked him as a prospect um, pre-draft. And then, you know, with the landing spot behind Montgomery, I thought it was okay. Um, he did great in that opportunity. But as soon as Montgomery came back, it was a full complement of snaps back to Montgomery. So, yeah, 
that was an opportunity to sell Khalil Herbert for, I, I got offered again, it was a third round pick, but still, I think he's maybe a hold for a third round pick. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I still feel that yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, like sometimes we have to take off our rose colored glasses when we're looking at the outlooks for these players, right? Like we all like to think, yeah, this player has this path to being able to work, be worth this much. So when that happens, I'll trade him and I'll get that ROI I'm looking for. But like that, that doesn't always happen. And even when that player reaches that point, you're not always finding a trade partner to, to yeah. actually make it happen anyway. So like everyone knows what you're doing. Yeah. Sometimes we just kind of have to take a step back and say, okay, what's the most realistic probability for this player? And does that pick make sense for this and, and, and make the deal if it, if, if it, if it works for you. Definitely. Absolutely. And the other yeah. just point on trades, like buy high, sell low. And like you were saying about like not ruining friendships or whatever, it's fun to get trades done. Like it, it there's like, <laughs> I get a small, you know, euphoric release of like yeah. Yeah, serotonin. Sometimes you just need to do it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Just, just like go buy high on someone. You know, if you love who Joe Burrow after the Super Bowl or not maybe the AFC championship game, go buy high, you know, like go get someone you want. That's it's going to feel good to have them on your roster, pay a little more than you should. And, and same thing, sell low. If there's a guy you just don't believe in, you don't like Kenny Galladay is getting flipped for thirds and fourths, you know, like if there's someone on your team who you just don't want to roster, just get sell low, you know, enjoy the team, enjoy the game. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I said on a previous episode. You know, this is supposed to be fun. Sometimes it's just fun to have the players that you like on your roster. So go out and get them. You know, it's that's what at the end of the day, it's about having fun. So sometimes you make moves to have fun. Yeah. And with keeping that, keeping that dialogue open, like sometimes when you know, like you might not get the trade done today, but like I have. I have a manager who took over an orphan team in one of my leagues. And like when he came in, we messaged him like, hey, if you like any of my players, let me know. Like this is who I'd be interested in your team if it ever comes to a conversation. So like later on, he's like, here's a list of guys like if it ever comes to it. So uh, I had known he liked Amonra St. Brown. I was like, okay, um, like how far off is Amonra to get something done for Ridley? And he's like, well, if we're going to talk a trade, I'd probably be more open to hold Ridley and see – uh, and work a trade out for Devonta Smith, who was on your list of guys you like. Will you do something there? I'm like, I'm like, sure. Let's let's get something done. He's like, okay. Um, like, how attached to Judy are you? Also, I'm like, if you want to talk Judy, I'm open to that. And like, I have Devonta Smith ranked higher than Judy. This is just where the conversation went. And he said, because for me, they're both in the same tier. So if you want to make a swap, we can swap. And I'm like, if you have them in the same tier, like, throw me a future third to get the, you know, to incentivize me, we'll get it done. So I end up getting, you know, I moved Judy for Devonta Smith in a third. And, like, the chat's flaming it. They're like, this is, no one has Judy higher than Smith right now. How are you getting a third? And it's like, I hate when people complain about trades. But it's like, that was a result of the dialogue. You fleeced him for a third, though. Yeah, for a third. No, like, but that's yeah. that's yeah. the result of, ruining the league. that's a result of a dialogue, you know? Like, if mm -hmm. you don't talk to people and kind of know who they like, who you like, and keep it reasonable – like a trade like that doesn't happen, you know, because if you simply send it to them and then they go and check someone's rankings or put it in a trade calculator, it might be a little less of a go get your guy. And, you know, and if this player happened to believe in Judy, because there are a lot of reasons to still like Judy, just as there's a lot of reasons not to, um, that's fair on him. Like who's to say that's the wrong way to go? Like, 
you know, there still is some promise for for a guy for a guy like Jerry Judy. So it's just that is an important thing for me. It's like keeping those dialogues on the players in your league, and maybe not to go to this extreme, but in some leagues where I don't know these people maybe as personal, like I'll keep notes on some of these players, like on some of their tendencies. Like, are they the type to you know? overpay when they really like a guy or are they the type to never sell someone low because they're quote oh i'm higher on them that's why i roster them like Mm -hmm. are they you know it's like some manners will never sell low but you know also know if you go to them when a player is popping they're going to try to make you pay an arm and a leg for the player so like those are the kind of notes i have on a guy um you know where that could affect when you know who to go to in the future for what and um you know, keeping a tab on what trades they've made in the past. Like if you traded last offseason two first for Calvin Ridley, and then I'm coming to you when it's he's out of the out of football for the rest of the season, I'm like trying to offer you a second. Like, do your research. Like the guy paid two first for him. There's no way yeah. you're gonna cut him to me for an early second or something. Like it's almost an insulting offer, in my opinion, if you don't look back on your league history. Like, did somebody Maybe you and everyone else views Amon Ra as like a seventh or eighth round start pick. Maybe this guy took him in the sixth round of your startup. That's an important note to know where if he's right. a guy you're going to target in the future, did they did they pay up for him in trade? Did they pay up for him in the startup? Or is it maybe a guy that kind of just like fell in their way and so they're not overly attached one way or another? So it's just something to keep in mind too when you're trying to buy, you know, high or, you know, low or any of these types of things it's just knowing who you're working with yeah yeah it's a really <laughs> underrated aspect of doing trades skylar that point you brought up about looking into the history of a player especially with with a given you know member in your league because you can kind of get an idea of where they actually value them just based on how they've interacted with that player if they traded for him recently or if they're right, right after the startup you know where they drafted them you can see yeah, and my favorite platform for Dynasty is Sleeper by a Mile. A great feature Sleeper added is the player history. Like, now it's so easy. You click on history, and it tells you straight from the startup, like, every spot they've gone, every trade they've been a part of, and it's fantastic. It's easy. You don't even have to go back to the, your different leagues, the different seasons, check the draft board, then go back to trades, like, search their name. Like, it's all there for you. Like, this isn't that it's not going mm, over the top. This is an MFL tweet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's an MFL tweet. Uh, I mean, if we tag them, they'll, they'll retweet it. <laughs> but it is, it's a great feature. I love MFL. It's easy, yeah. There's still some of you. <laughs> <laughs> Loyal I'm followers. I'm I'm <laughs> well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Jacob, thank you very much for coming on and joining us. This was a lot of fun. Before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, just JWB. Check us out. We, uh, I have good uh, Dynasty content on the way. I'm working on my first article on um, which NFL teams are poised to draft a running back, and even with a percent likelihood that I do some you know, fancy math to, to come up with the numbers. Um, but it's a uh, it's a good good read. I did my first. It was my first article last year. I'm excited to do it. It uh, you know watch out Michael Carter owners would be the the sneak peek. All right, all right. Keep a lookout for that article. For us, you can find Skylar on Twitter at theffbuffalo. You can find me at yb underscore ff. You can find all of our content at jwbfantasyfootball.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow everywhere. 
and we'll see you next time.